sure everybody's happy. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ross. That's what happens on missions and after lots of jokes. You can, um, you can make jokes um, with one another and enjoy family together. Um, I'm going to share the word this morning with, with us and then we're going to continue to worship and trust that the Lord um, yeah, just work deep in our hearts. Who encountered the Lord in worship and really had a moment where they could connect? Um, it's not a hit and miss matter, it's, uh, but it's one that, that we want to worship Him in spirit and truth. We're not here to tick a box. It's like any relationship in life. It needs to be real and authentic, and so that's something that I'm passionate about, that we always go after that. Also, sense in worship that maybe the Lord is inviting you in this season, maybe in the, even in this day, to be honest with Him. I heard the word honesty the whole time. I forgot it earlier, but maybe, and it's not a, it's not a hard a hard thing. It's just, he knows whatever's cooking in our hearts. But I believe he's inviting us in the season to also be honest. And when we're in the presence of God, sometimes if something is nagging and scratching beneath the surface, it's, it's, it calls us to a moment of honesty with him. And his grace can just come in. Um, I was recently on a sabbatical, and so I had a lot of honest moments with the Lord. But it helps, and it brings so much more freedom. Thanks, Juliette, for your hospitality and saying hi earlier and your word. Um, I really appreciate that. Thank you to Debbie and Renal and the elders in their absence. Um, it's easy to honor them. It, uh, it is so easy to honor them because they're, they're such beautiful people, and we're really thankful for them in our lives, myself and Edna and my kids. Um, it's good when you don't have to refer to somebody as a colleague. Um, but really a friend and a fellow disciple of Jesus. And so I can truly say that of them, and I'm thankful for them, as many of you that I have come to know in this beautiful church. Now, last week, Debbie shared with with you guys, um, and the message was entitled, Loud and Clear, um, Are You Hearing His Voice? Now, who heard God's voice this week? By the show of hands, who heard? I like doing this, sorry. If it feels like school, I apologize, but um, it's good to see that we are connecting the dots. But who heard God's voice this week? Who pursued God's voice this week? I really have a a passion for for the the Lord's voice and to hear His heart and heartbeat, not only for me, but for my family, albeit directional or those small moments of honesty where you know whatever's in your heart really sucks and you need God to speak into it. Even those moments, I really love God's voice. And so I guess that that's a beautiful way to start this. And so the, the message God gave me for this week actually just fitted well with what Debbie shared um, last week. And that is that we need to desperately hear God's voice individually. We need that rhema words um, of faith that really stir and pluck, pluck your heart and direct your life. But then we also need a grace to hear one another. Amen. Quickly turn to your neighbor, as charismatics do, and say, Wiriame, do you hear me? You don't have to figure out the toothpaste or the coffee smell. Just stick to the program. Because we want to ultimately hear God and we want to hear one another. 
so God showed me something through scripture that um, I'm just going to share with you today, but I believe it will convict, it will hopefully encourage and empower us. And I believe, guess what? It's a secret weapon to the church. I believe what the Lord, um, through his, his word, has shown us is it's a secret weapon to the church, and we don't have much of an excuse. So I was on mission, as you heard, um, with France and all, everybody, uh, lots of you that, that's here, and I would actually love to go on mission again. It was really one of the you know, best missions that I've been on. But what stood out, even though we had two meetings, or I think I had two or three meetings um, prior to, to uh, this trip, it was really, it felt like family. Uh, the way in which we could joke, tease each other, but also have deep, sacred, intimate moments with God uh, in, in His holiness was, was really beautiful. And uh, I was so thankful that it felt like family. And so I want to honor each and every one of you. Um, you really enriched my life, uh, and it was an amazing trip and an amazing mission. But here's the thing is, is that when we hear each other and when we connect like that, it can be fruitful. And I believe much of that is God's heart for us uh, as church and as family. Who's ever met someone, maybe for the very first time, uh, and it feels like, I know you. I'm not talking about deja vu, some weird, weird and wonderful hippie nonsense. I'm just like, you just connect. Amen? Anybody like that? Who's ever met somebody and like, oh, um, we don't connect? Come on, be, be honest. Yes, we do get those moments. But we're Christians, so we're humble. And we say, Lord, change me so that we can connect. But connection is so important. I remember it, it told Edna, my wife, when she met me at Varsity, she, she took me to a dance, a Heisfunds dance. So we went to the dance, and afterwards I heard her coming back and telling her roommate, I brought my doll. In other words, he speaks my language. We were both Afrikaans, by the way. But it's a deeper reality of life. Like, he gets me. I'm in trouble, he gets me. Uh, I'm in trouble, we, we really connect. And, um, and so I believe that is the heart, firstly to God, for all of us. It's like, he gets me. Maybe I shared this, this the previous time, but uh, it, it just blesses me each and every time. In our Malmesbury season, one day in the car, I think I shared it, but it's so pertinent and it, it made such an impression on me. One day I was driving back from, from town where I was working as a lawyer and I, and I was just thinking, Lord, what, are, what am I doing with my life driving all the way to Malmesbury? And then I asked God, how do I get you? How do I connect with you? How do I get you? What is it? And clearly the Lord just dropped in my heart like that. And I'm like confused for a moment in the and, and the bottom line is, is you get God by wanting to get him. By getting to that place that he speaks my language. And here's the beautiful thing. We're all very different, but God has got a way to connect with you. And likewise, he's looking for a people that do not just worship, but worship. That do not just come to church, but come to church. People that do not just pray, but, but pray. Does that make sense? Hopefully the rest of the message will unpack that. Because we want to be a people that not only hear God, but hear one another. So in last week's message that Debe shared about hearing God, and what I believe to and want to and will try to share today about hearing one another, I also see the first two commands, namely, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to hear God first. So let's highly value that along with his word and what Debe shared, but then also be a people that hear one another. Let's pray. 
God, I love you, and I'm thankful for you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you know every single person in this room, Lord, and whomever will ever listen to this message, Lord, you know us perfectly. And Lord, you truly speak our language. You know how to get into our hearts. You know how to connect with us so that we know, as we know, that we hear you. So Lord, not only do we ask for that today, but we also ask, Lord, will you create that in a godly, biblical way that we can connect in such a way with one another as the body and as the church? Will you reveal your heart through scripture today and through your grace of your Holy Spirit so that we will be a people of true connection, biblical connection, unity, and your heart and fruitfulness, not only to Cape Town, but to the nations, Lord? Will you have your way here today in Jesus' name? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, I'm going to share a couple of C's with you. The first one is change the world. Now the hands in Cape Town will go up. Who wants to change the world? Oh, well, three of you. Well, it's a good start. Seven. Okay. We can work with seven. Here's the thing. We lived in Cape Town up the road in Frinder Street and there at Jan van der Riebeek for a number of years. Really loved Cape Town. But you've got a couple of highly motivated uh, individuals in Cape Town. You've got a bunch of, and not only in this church, but if you look at Cape Townians, even though they might say that we are laid back and you guys are laid back, the people that live, work, and play here do it hard. They do it motivated and they've got a strong idea what they want. They're people of aspiration and focus and direction. Am I right? Most people. Obviously, you get people that are hurt. Maybe don't know who they are. They might be laid back or hurt or in a gutter, so to speak, proverbially, but um. As for the most people in Cape Town, they're here to build something and do something. And even if it's fitness or their career or making money or making a name for themselves, they go hard after it. Am I right? Amen. Now, my question is firstly, what are you doing in Cape Town? Getting fit, the best version of yourself. What are you doing in Cape Town and what are you building in Cape Town? What are you building? And... Remember, if I ask you these questions, I have been asking them to myself. The thing is, is, as Christians, are we building with Christ and are we building what He is building? Am I busy pursuing? Because this whole culture is filled with people that are self-motivated, self-starting people that are highly successful. And I don't knock that, by the way. Please don't hear, me, hear what I'm not saying. I'm not knocking that per se. But I'm saying as a church, as a people, as a follower a group of followers of Christ. What do we do when we work, play, and obviously pray as well? And do we build with Christ? Because we're going to look at changing the world, and, and even though it seems like this high and lofty idea, I think in all of us, we want to make a change. We want to make a loving, impactful change. That's why we go on mission. That's why some people will pack up and go and follow after, hard after God. That is why we are sitting here. Because not only are God changing stuff on our inside, but He is also equipping us to be disciple makers and to bring a change in our communities. And so we need a rhema word last week. We need to hear His voice to change the world, right? But one thing is vital. I believe that God also uses his body. We not only need to hear from God, but we need to hear and be part of his body when we want to change the world. That sounds easy enough, right? 
We want to be world changers, so you need a team. I actually should have put, we've got a couple of nice photos of, of the missions team, but I was just constantly reminded when I see that photo, kingdom is team. Kingdom is team. And I want to say, if kingdom is not team, is it kingdom at all? So I need to hear from God, and we pursued going to Malmesbury. Why? Because God spoke to us. We went to Tableview. Why? Because God spoke to us. We almost moved to London. Why? Because God spoke to us. So I am firmly and foremostly a guy that highly values God's voice. But I also needed other people. That's sometimes the, the difficult part. Am, am I right? No, it's a couple of sneakers. So we need to hear God. We need to hear one another. I went to and sniffled around on your Facebook uh, account, like one does, I guess, eh? to find out more about you guys. Um, And then I read the following. We are a community of Jesus lovers, a family on a mission. I love that. The first time I I saw that, it really, I really, it blessed my heart, and I saw that in the fruit of your lives on mission, so I honor you. A family on a mission, enjoying God, that I saw a lot of, growing in His likeness, yes, and extending his love and kingdom where we stay, work, and go. Right where we are, here in Cape Town. That is, that is what you guys are saying. That is what we, what we are and what we want to be. Join us as we trust God for the grace to make disciples, raise leaders, and plant churches. It is amazing. But for that to work, and as it's been working now, you need what? A lot of real connection. You need a whole bunch of people to hear God and a whole bunch of people to really hear one another, to really see one another. Not just play trust, not just tick boxes, but to really, when, even when it gets messy, to hear one another. Family on a mission. We want to say, we don't invite other people into this. But for that to happen is we need to hear them, and they need to hear us. Are you hearing me? Thank you. <laughs> krik, krik, as one would say. So the first C is we want to change the world. The second C is there's a challenge. I wanted you to turn to your neighbor and say, challenge, but let's not do that. But we very often become the challenge. And so we've got this God-given massive ideas and these beautiful things. And we know how to hear from God and we know we need to hear from one another. But there's a bit of a challenge, unfortunately, sometimes that trips us up. Anybody been hurt, missed, not heard, seen, lost in translation in church community? Come on, all the honest people. All that people there at the back. (laughs) But I like the hands. Here's the thing. We get lost in translation. We miss one another. We sometimes get fixated, and I might have been so guilty of this, about what what God has spoken to me, that I'm struggling to hear what He has spoken to you. Or when you do say something, is it an echo of what He said to me or not? And so God is just gripping my heart because he's saying, hey, there is a challenge, but we can deal with that. And I believe Jesus has dealt with it. The first thing is there's sin, flesh, there's our humanity, and then something called our pride. Let's not call it our pride. Let's not tag ourselves. Let's say pride per se. There's something called sin and flesh, our broken human ways, and then pride. Now, there's the the sad thing. Pride has stolen some callings. Pride has stolen some moves of God. Pride, I believe, has started off to dismantle churches and break the things of the kingdom. Praise God, I'm not going to preach on that. 
But it's a reality we need to face when we say we want to change the world. There's a challenge sometimes that we need to face in hearing one another because the world is looking out for us. John 13, 35 says, and you know this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you have a love for one another. And that love is hearing me, hearing you, hearing me, seeing you and seeing me. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. How bigger my family gets, how tougher it gets to truly manage connection, communication, losing your temper, saying sorry, repentance, all of that. And so the bigger we grow, the harder we need to fight by the grace of God, not in our own strength, to fight to be a people that truly love. And to truly love is sometimes very slow. You're in Cape Town. We can... We can, we can push out many things. We can do many things. We can run after many things and do it pretty quickly. But to honestly, truthfully love, hear, and see sometimes is a bit of a slow burn. For the word says we are a body of many members. We are, even here today, we are a body of many members. Each individual, handpicked. Each individual, beautifully loved and called by God. But how we function together, now that is a bit of a tricky dance. And sometimes a challenge. And so the challenge for us is to move together and to have unity. Who loves the word unity? When you're the class captain. Yeah, that's pretty easy. It's it's easy to be the rugby captain and then call for unity. It's easy to be the dad at home and use the word unity. It's different if you're my daughter. And especially if you've got the same type of temperament like I have. So we've got similar personalities. So get what? We bump heads. But I'm the dad. She's the daughter. And so it's tough for her. So unity is easy in some senses to use, but it's tough um, sometimes for us to use it in different senses. My greatest hurt has been in church. I had to leave a church, and it wasn't hostile from our side, but we just reached a a place where we could not be heard by our, our leaders at that stage. It was many years ago. And where the Lord then gave myself a vision, Edna and Dream spoke to us clearly and said, you are allowed to go. Was that God's intention primarily? Was it his heart? I don't believe so. His heart is for us to see one another and hear one another in humility. It didn't go that way, but I learned a lot. The, the vision, by the way, now that I think of, of that, was actually a plane crash and the black box. And God said to me, take the black box. And I'm like, what? Take the black box. Why do they have a black box? First of they want to figure out what happened. And secondly, they don't want it to happen again. Even as I say this now, I, I understand more fully why God said that. At that stage, the leaders couldn't hear us. And so now I'm in a leadership position in a church. So I need to be very careful. Retief, be careful to squash a ministry. Retief, be careful of what you do with the black box of that season. Are we hearing one another? And so we can be honest about the challenge. Do a quick Google search. Not now, please. But when you get home, do a quick Google search. How many denominations are there, Christian denominations around the world? Any ideas? Okay, cool. I'll help you. 45,000 denominations. That's a fair fair bit of not hearing. Amen? That's a fair bit of difference. Now, I'm not saying there should only be two or one shofar. No, I'm not saying that. I am saying that there's a fair amount of not hearing you, not hearing me across the, the ages gone by. That's sad. 
You can also Google search this, but I'm not sure you'll find an answer. How many denominations are there in heaven? None. Absolutely none. There's one bride, one body. There's a fair bit of growth that we're going to go through as the bride of Christ. A fair bit of ironing and omo in whatever it is, skip uh, and ship that will be used and ironed out in the bride that we can get from 45,000 denominations to one pure and spotless bride before the King of Kings. God have, have mercy on us. So we know about the challenge, and I want to quickly jump into where I believe some of the challenge came from. It's not the only place, but I believe there's a beautiful key for us. Let's jump into Genesis 11, and I called it Babel's bondage. Because you see, without Jesus and his Holy Spirit, we can stay under the bondage of Babel as church and as disciples of Christ. But I believe there's good news and there's an unfair advantage for the church as a people that are building, that are change makers and world changers. Let's read together. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. It wasn't Afrikaans that we know by now. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Sinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and make them thoroughly. We've got a plan, guys. They used brick, brick instead of stone and tar for mortar, so they were quite smart. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, all fair enough, with a tower that reaches to the heavens. We people like to big, build big towers that reaches to heavens. So that in Luxembourg, first was the big cathedrals, the big churches with big high-rising um, buildings, so to speak. And then later on, years when people gave up on that idea, now they're building skyscrapers as businesses. And finance houses. But we like to be big, 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 tall stuff. And maybe we should get to, to learn about these mistakes we've made in the past as humans. So that we may make... A, no, sorry, I'm going to go back. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. So that we may make a name for ourselves. I want you to grab hold of this part. I should have actually underlined it and put it in bold and red and yellow. So that we may... Make a name for ourselves, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower and the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Also a great key of God, God's grace in all of us to actually be change makers and world changers. Come. You can go to the next slide, or you can stay right there. Thank you. Come, let us go down. See, we, we heard each other there. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from the, over, all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. What an interesting story. Who's ever wondered, pondered, why, what happened there? That is a strange story indeed. And so they were highly skilled and equipped. They had a good plan. And guess what? They had unity to build something big. To what? To make a name for themselves. And that is a great key for my heart and for your heart. 
It sometimes even sounds like a church. It can sound like some of 45,000 denominations. Maybe wanting to make a name for themselves. But coming back to the story and the context here. Now, I had to think about this. God, why did you do that? Was God intimidated by a high riser? No, I'm sure he wasn't. Was he jealous? We know he, he is a jealous God. I think maybe yes, to a slight degree. Was God intimidated? They're going to take over. They're going to come high up and they're going to get in you and they're going to take over. No. We know that's not the case for his spirit. Here's the beauty that I saw and you may see something else. But God is love. So whatever God does is love. And he knew that if I allow them to go on with that, it's going to lead to absolute destruction and death. If they're going to pursue this and make a name for themselves, it will lead to death. Because why? He saw that prior to that happen once. There was a being, not a person, a being that wanted worship for himself. They wanted something for his own name. Who was that? Lucifer, that was the devil. That's where all the nonsense started. Wanted to have some worship for myself. Wanted to make a name for myself. Who's this God anyway? And so we see the people falling into this trap, but God says, I am loving. And so I will send a confusion, so to speak. I will give them many languages so that there can't be this unity without me. Because then it will lead to destruction and death for them. And there's lots of pointers for us in this. And we're going to look at it just now. C.S. Lewis says the following, According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are the mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. So we see in Babel the complete anti-God state of mind. From the outside, looking as a Captonian to their plan, it didn't seem all wrong, did it? They want to build a high thing. They don't use stones. They actually started to use brick and mortar. So, well done, guys. They're a nice team, chatting away, wanting to make a name for themselves. Nothing looks obscure if you, if you read it on face value. But yet, we know that pride creeps in, and obviously, God said, no, this will lead to more destruction. So what now? We know that that happened, and if you're in the flesh, and if you don't receive Christ, then you're still stuck in that place. What does it mean for us? That bondage of Babel, of many languages, and disunity, and sometimes even chaos that was bestowed upon mankind. What happened to to that for us? What answers do we get in Christ? What answers do we get in the Word that can help us out of that predicament to be a people? That here, to be a people of unity, to be a people that can build. And I believe there's a change. So the first thing is we want to be world changers. The second thing is there's a challenge. And the third thing, there has been a change. And his name is Jesus Christ. Because I believe for us, as followers of Christ, he has broken the bondage of Babel for the church. I believe he has broken the bondage of Babel for the church. And I'll quickly reflect on scripture to show you why I think that's the case. Now, firstly, we know that he came and he paid for our sins. He came to fulfill the law. He died on our behalf. His perfect spotless blood flowed for us so that as I receive it by faith, you know by now, we are saved. And so the first couple of disciples, they took that to heart. And as he ascended, 
And that was their true reality, the dispensation where we find ourselves now. As they saw him descended, he said what? He said, go make disciples. He says, go build. Come on, go build. I've got a job for you. Go and do this. But he said what? First go to, to Jerusalem and? And what? And chill? Take selfies? Go work? Build the church? What did he say? He said, go to Jerusalem and Wait. Anybody heard of Acts? Okay, cool. So in Acts 2, you'll see that Jesus gave them the command, go make disciples of the world, but wait. Who likes waiting? Any Christians? You've been called to wait many times. That's part of God's process. I've been called to wait. And for some of us, he says sometimes, wait, wait for the empowerment, wait for the Holy Spirit. And so again in Acts, we see that. And let's go see where I believe the change came in through Jesus Christ. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So again, they spoke now. We've got this language factor. But they started to speak in different languages. But as the Holy Spirit empowered them. Verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. So people that were really God-fearing. From every nation under heaven. Remember where everybody got scattered to? There was a bunch of them in Jerusalem at that time. Verse 6. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. They're like, I'm hearing something. I am hearing my own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? So all of a sudden, they started to hear one another. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, many people from different places, all starting to hear their native language, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And so we know what happened there. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon God's people. They received that, but not only that, something supernatural happened. They had, in this case, the gift of tongues. Now, these tongues weren't heavenly tongues, that type of tongues. It was like speaking another language, albeit Russian or, for some people, English or for some people, Afrikaans or Isitkosa, whatever the case may be. They could hear their native languages and the people that were speaking it were not people that obviously knew that language. So something supernatural occurred through the Holy Spirit. And they were hearing these people in their native languages declaring the wonders of God. Now that's practically on face value what scripture there shows us. But I believe there's also a deeper reality. There's a restoration, I believe, for God's people of there where there was confusion and where we could not reach and understand one another, that through the, the Lord's grace and His Spirit, He supernaturally started to enable us to hear one another. I am not saying that we've got one language now, one earthly language, but I'm saying that 
by God's spirit, there's a grace now supernaturally that we can start, start to understand one another. Here, for instance, I remember before we went to Lisbon, somebody prayed for me and said, I pray that you will just speak Portuguese, that people will understand you. And I'm like, yes, because that's biblical and that's what happened here. It didn't happen that way. But we did manage to connect, and we did manage to connect to those who we serve because of the Spirit of God in our hearts and lives and because He has made us family. If you want to know more about the teaching of tongues and the different spheres, one is personal, one public, please do Bible School 1. There's beautiful teachings on that. But we're going to quickly move on, and we're going to look at those two. You can go to the next slide, please. Because we see here the contrasts, and I believe the changes through Christ and His Spirit that is brought to us. In Genesis, there was the bondage of Babel. They couldn't understand each other. They couldn't build. No unity, no connection. Boom, scattered. But on the other side... We now see in Acts that they got together and then God has broken that lie for his people. Supernaturally here we see a grace, a redemption. They can understand one another. They hear one another in that supernatural moment. We see that in Genesis there was a making a name for themselves. So they were out to go and make a name for themselves and be Steve Stunning and have their, their face on the billboard. And yet... In Acts, it was for the glory of God and his name in humility that they got together so that the kingdom can come. We see that in Genesis, they were building and it was based upon their own abilities. They wanted to show off their own abilities and yet we see in Acts, it was for the magnificent act of God, one translation says, and for the wonders of God. In Genesis, we see it was for themselves, but here it was together for him, And we can start to connect the dots of where my own heart lies. One was for flesh and pride. And the other one here in Acts is a group of people, God's disciples, his first church, coming together in humility and faith and with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And there being a grace that they can understand each other. So there was an old way and I believe a new way as well. So I believe there's a new spiritual reality. There's a way that by God's spirit that he has called us to understand and hear one another. As a church, he graces us with one spirit. Gert prayed it this morning in its intercession. One name, Jesus Christ, one Lord. And then he said, one spirit. There is one spirit amongst us. I don't know who of you guys were at Convergence this year. I didn't know what to expect. I was on sabbatical, went into Convergence. It was beautiful. There was people from everywhere. Everywhere in South Africa, but all nations, all tribes, all tongues. We worshipped in Afrikaans, English, and other languages. Yet there was such a beauty and unity at Convergence. At least that was my experience and the fruit that I tasted. And so there was a one spirit that, in, in a sense, just broke through all the walls that could have separated us and kept us apart and brought us back to a place of unity because of one spirit. I want to say one spirit language. Even though you're Afrikaans, English, is it Kosa, or whatever the case may be, there was a one spirit language by the grace of God that we can catch one another. That we can have this beautiful fellowship, and that really blessed me, and I believe that is what we as a church have. Now, how do we get that? It's being, being filled with the Holy Spirit in the first and, firstly and foremostly. John 6.63 says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. So the brokenness and the stench of the flesh of Genesis and Babel gets annihilated, gets washed, washed away for God's people where they 
are filled with His Spirit. The words that I've spoken to you, they are full of Spirit and they are full of life. Another key is also when we shift our focus from where it is self-involved and where I want to do my own thing and build my own, my own empire, build my own high-rising building, want to build my own ministry, want to build my own career and name without Jesus. That gets broken because now the Lord has taken us over to a place where not only can we understand and hear each other, but it is the wonders of God that we are pursuing. And it is for the wonders and the kingdom of God that we are building. Anybody excited about that? Anybody challenged by that? Yes, I can sense that. I can sense that we are challenged. It challenges me, even in ministry one would think, but Lord, I'm busy with the kingdom, I want to, but I can so easily fall into the trap of building my own little place, not my church, it's his church, and fall into the trap of even a, a shofar, building a shofar name, wanting to make a name for myself. And so I need to just step back and say, Lord, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. How many, I know some of you guys are in branding and it's a good thing and it's a good business. I read a, a rugby player the other day bemoaning the fact that rugby players would, should be able to brand themselves better. And I hear that. Don't judge the guy. But that's the culture we live in. But how many brands will stand before the almighty God one day? I'm not knocking. It is needed in this culture. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying when it comes to heart, what brand, even a ministry brand. Even if I should have RatifAce.com. Okay. With, with four likes or followers. I should be careful of what I want to bring before him, before the king one day. I'm just going to bring my own life before him and the fruit that I could bear that he actually planned. And so, where am I building stuff to make a name for myself? And I, and I believe it's a sensitive moment to know how to navigate that, but the, the Lord knows. You can have a very successful business brand. You can have a very successful ministry and that's still God-ordained. Hear my heart. But it's a place where, Lord, am I posturing my heart correctly towards you and the kingdom in eternity? Because that is what the Lord, I believe, has for his people. And that is where I believe the bondage of Babel gets broken, where you get seen and heard by other people with like-minded hearts and humility so that we can truly build something that is gold, something that lasts. Because all we build, brands included, fitness, goals, my Strava account, everything will be tested with fire. Amen? And so we are going to trust. Whoa. We're going far and wide now, but let's, um, let's make it positive. In 2007... I was living, uh, living somewhere, but I was working in Steenberg Office Park and uh, working as a lawyer, but we were a firm that actually were Christians. And so we would get a couple of directors in the bigger building that were also believers. We'll get together in a boardroom, we'll pray. And it was really effective. It was amazing prayers. It was like, I'm living my dream. I'm in the corporate environment, but we're also praying. But I also since there's so many people believing different things, and we're not 100% on the same page, different denominations. I remember going to the bathroom and standing in front of the mirror and washing my hands and just uh, having a heart's cry moment. Who's ever had a heart's cry moment towards the Lord? When I was looking at the, the modern day church, I was looking at the bride and I said, how is this ever going to be possible? And as the words just kind of left my heart, I didn't talk to myself aloud in the bathroom because I might be arrested, but 
as I just said that in my heart, I clearly saw a vision of a bride dressed in white, perfectly dressed in white. This is my vision, so you test it. I'm not putting it out as the gospel or the word. I'm just saying that was the impression God gave me. But I saw this beautiful bride dressed in white, but it was like her chest was transparent, and I could see her heart, the red heart, just pumping. And then the veins, the red veins going down throughout the body. It was this weird picture that I immediately saw, and as I saw that, I realized what the Lord is saying. That he will bring his bride together. That he will give his heartbeat through his spirit. The one that will touch each and every part of this body. He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. But a people that walk by the spirit and not the flesh. A people that makes a name for God and not for themselves. A people that will testify about the wonders of God. And not their own thing, their own brand and their own way of doing. Our own little subculture that we make an idol of. And I'm guilty of those things myself. I need to step back and say, welcome back into my life, the fear of God. I want to walk by the Spirit. Because if I walk by the Spirit, I'll have ears to hear you. I'll have eyes to see you. And then if I pray for you and I trust that you also walk by the Spirit, you will have ears to hear me. And so that bride will be able to operate as we hear the same heartbeat. Not necessarily, and I don't knock leadership. It is godly. It is biblical. But not only the heartbeat of the leader. The heartbeat of the leader should be the heartbeat of the bride that is the Holy Spirit of, of the Lord. And so I'm just, I'm just thankful that I know I have to fix everything. But I know that through Christ and through God's grace, He will bring us together so that we can be a people that say, I hear you. I hear you. A very practical moment in, in the mission, on the mission. I kept on thinking at some stage, I really love the intercession and the worship. And, and seven parts of me died as we had to go and do it publicly. But that was good. Thank you, dear Bia. Thank you, guys. Part of me had to die there, and it was a good dying. But the whole time I sensed there was another intercession left. There was something in the spirit that, that was still un, undone or should be done. But I wasn't sure, and it wasn't my baby to carry. So I was just like, maybe it's just me. And then on the last morning, I think, what's it, um, Freedom City Church, we were worshiping together. Um, and just, just the, the group of us, and we had amazing moments. And in that place, there was one language. The language of the Holy Spirit. And that is what I believe it is that the Lord has given us. And, um, and so I just kept on sensing that there's, there's a public tongue. There's a tongue that the Lord wants to bring. I don't have the tongue. Um, but I just then said, okay, I believe the Lord wants to give a tongue. And moments later, Debbie said he, he believes that the Lord, through His Spirit, has now given him the tongue. And so he prayed that. And we really sensed that it was a sacred moment. We're sharing our pearls now with one another. But I want to say how God speaks to his bride and how unity is so needed for us to see the kingdom come and to be true world changes. And so as he brought that, everybody brought their part, a vision, an interpretation. And we could see how Jesus comes ashore and he walks into Lisbon and how he changes that place. And we can proclaim and prophesy those things. What is it? It is a people that was once broken in the bondage of Babel that very simply now through humility, not for their own name, but for his name, start hearing the small things that he says so that we can see the kingdom come. Have we seen all of the fruit of that yet? No. But I trust one day we will see the fruit of that conversation with God. So how do we do these things? We walk by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit is not a nice to have. It's not a freedom of movement bag. It's not a Louis Vuitton 
thing, him a jiggy. It's not a swatch watch or what is cooling cape done these days? I don't know. <laughs> iPads are so, so lost summer, eh? Anyway, it's not that cool stuff. It's not all that cool stuff. Walking by the Spirit is an absolute necessity for a Christian. It's not something we do on Sunday in worship, like, mm, bossy, mm, mm, oh, there's the Holy Spirit, yes. No, it is a daily thing. It is a daily walk. I will not be able to hear you if I don't walk in His Spirit. You will not be able to hear me if we don't walk by the Spirit. This is not a hard word, it's an invitation. Does it sound like an invitation? Hallelujah. It's an invitation. It's an invitation that we should be a people that walk by the Spirit. We should secondly choose to walk by love. And thirdly, there's probably many other things. I just dotted this down. We should be a people of humility with heart's posture towards Him, not making a name for ourselves. If God has given you a big name, use it for His glory. Amen. There's no condemnation in this place. But make sure that the postures of our heart is right. And here's another thing about unity. If two of us decide, well, I really sense God, or I really sense and France really sense that we need to smoke Dacha tonight. That's unity. That's a building. We're building something. We're building a stupid idea. Amen? And we can do that. God forbid we're not. So relax. But sometimes as Christians we think that is unity. Any unity that does not include God and His Spirit is a false unity. It's a deception. And if it's a church context, it's called a sect. Amen? So for true Christian unity, you need three parties at least. Me, you, and God. Because my wife and I can decide many things and have great unity, but we're going to end up not building the kingdom unless we first hear from God. And He's part of that. There was a beautiful part in, um, in Acts that I thought of, what was it, yesterday, this morning, or this last night, somewhere. It's uh, verse 15, Acts 15, verse 28, and you probably know this. Just one sentence, but it, it just sums it up so beautifully. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours to put no greater burden on you than what is necessary. It was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours. What is true unity, church? What is true hearing? A true hearing if is if it's the Holy Spirit's decision and ours. That calls for humility. That calls sometimes for a slowing down and a waiting. But then once He has spoken, and once we have unity, we can do impossible for His name's sake. Then the challenge that we face of Babel is nothing, for it has been changed by God, and we can change our worlds. And this brings me to the, the closing part. His church, the final sea. We know the challenge to change the world. We know the challenge of, of Babel. We also know that there's change in Christ and then it's left to us as the church to no longer be 45,000 denominations, but to bow the knee and say, Lord, what are you doing deciding, building, and then find a people that we can lovingly and in humility hear one another and actually care. Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With all humility and gentleness, there you see it again. Lord, help us with patience, acceptance of one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit. There it is. That's the language. Diligently. That's our language. That's our new language. Diligently 
keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. If I lose my connection with the Lord for the sake of unity with somebody else, it is too expensive. I'm going to say that again. If I lose my unity with the Spirit first, to have unity with you, it is too expensive. But also there's a, there's a sinful way of thinking that I've got a unity with the Spirit and not ever pursuing unity with the body. This is a and I said it in respect. That is a non-functioning body. And so the Lord is graciously giving that to us. Going back to that verse 3. Diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Therefore, there is, sorry, one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all is above all and through all and in all. One language by the Spirit for us as His people. Because we've got one Father, one Christ, and we're going back one day as one pure and spotless bride. And so this is my prayer for you as a church. Psalm 133 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I want to say for God's sake and for His name, not our own. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. We know the catchphrase that our charismatics love to throw around. Where there's unity, God what? Commands a blessing. What did Jesus say? Hashtag blessing. What did Jesus say about blessing? By the way, what is blessing? Is it a new car? New shoes? Come on, what's blessing? Anybody? Blessing of the Holy Spirit, yes. Anybody else? What is a blessing? What did Jesus say? What is a blessing? A woman cried out and said that the womb that bore you as a child is blessed. Weird thing to say, but I believe she's probably right in a certain sense. He turns around and he says, true blessedness is this, that you hear God and obey Him. Hashtag that. True blessedness is this, that you hear God and that you obey what He says. That's the bling of the kingdom, I want to say. That is what sets us apart. That is what brings fulfillment. And that is, in unity, what we are called for. So when I say, I pray for you to be blessed as a church through unity in us, a shofar, but also far wider than that, to be world changers, I pray that that true blessedness will be this, that we all hear God together and do what He says. Because then we can truly build what is impossible. But now it's for His, His sake and not for our own sake at all. Change the world. Forget about the challenge. It's changed through Christ. And we as the church is his answer. France, if you don't mind, just um, putting some atmosphere together. Thank you, brother. Will you stand with me? I want to pray with you. We're going to do a bit of ministry, and then we're going to sing a final song of worship. If it's decided by the Holy Spirit and us. Amen? I hope that makes sense. Lord, thank you.
for the freedom in this house. Thank you, Lord, for the love in this house. Thank you for a family on a mission. But, Lord, a real family has real communication. A real family has real love. And thank you that I can sense that and I can honor this house for that. And I can honor the head, Jesus Christ, of the church for this house, for this family on a mission. But, Lord, thank you that we also can be honest today that sometimes we, we trip up and we have tripped up now and again upon the bondage of Babel, not understanding, not hearing one another, not hearing people in prior church and ministry context, and then getting hurt, getting offended, maybe sometimes even giving up. And so, Lord, thank you that through Christ you want to bring us back to a place of wholeness, speaking one language of your spirit, Lord, to hear one another, even though it might be Russian or Greek or Portuguese, Lord, that we will hear each other and connect because we have the same spirit, not because we've got the same hair, the same shoes, the same skin and drink the same coffee Lord no because of your spirit Lord. bring us together Lord grace us to hear grace us to care to hear and grace us to be heard for your kingdom's sake and for your name's sake I think the first thing is, is obvious if you need healing that within church ministry Christian context that there's been a season or seasons or maybe even now space where you face where you feel you're not being heard. You are walking by the Spirit, but you don't sense that you've been, been heard. Yeah, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray and minister into that firstly. Come here, it's a safe space that we can trust the Lord to bring healing if there's been hurt in the past in that sense. Lord, I thank you for freedom. Thank you, Lord, that you'll, you see the, the hands and the heart and you know the stories, Lord. But I pray, Father God, that you will, through your spirit, bring healing, Lord. I pray, Lord, that I believe all healing or most healing starts through repentance. And so, Lord, even where we're held on to hurt and offense, Lord, I pray that there'll be a release of repentance to, to, to this, this morning, Lord that we can let the people and the scenarios go, give it to the Lord, and just invite your Holy Spirit healing back into our lives. Thank you that you will heal every heart that needs that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, if anybody has suffered rejection in your body, in your church, Lord, albeit in any season, Father God, I pray that your truth, that you're accepted in the beloved, will be ministered to every heart in this place. I declare over you, you are accepted in the beloved because of Jesus, not of personality, not of color, creed, not of tongue. You are accepted in the beloved because of Jesus, his blood and his spirit, his language, an heavenly one. You are accepted. You are an accepted people. Thank you, Lord, that you accept us through Christ. Thank you for the freedom and the rest that that can bring to our hearts. Secondly, I believe the Lord just calls me, calls us maybe back to a place of humility and the posture of our heart. And maybe you can just bring that up to the Lord and just say, Lord, this world, even in Cape Town, people love to pursue things and build things. Not all wrong, but sometimes in motive, not for you and for your heart, Lord. Maybe for our own name's sake and not necessarily for the name above all names, Jesus. One brand and one brand alone. One name and one name alone. And if that's in your heart, just bring your heart and 
We can't fix ourselves, and that's not what's expected here. But you can allow him in if you, if you see something. In, in my sabbatical, just a testimony, God really, I didn't think it was there. Obviously, other people could see it, but I just really saw the fear of man again, which I thought I dealt with five years ago, eight years ago. And I, I just repented, and I was just convicted, but he had to open my eyes. And then he had to fix, and he had to restore the fear of God in my life. So if you, if you want to bring your heart back to a place of humility where what we build and what we do and what we say, say and pursue is for the glory of God and His wonders, just very simply do that in your own language towards the Lord. Welcome back the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, make, make me to be a humble vessel. A humble vessel. Lord, I pray for this church to be a humble vessel. Lord, Thank you for humility for this church even, Lord. A humble vessel, Lord. To receive your heart and to be change makers. The last two things is you really want to grow in walking in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, being directed. You're not a robot. You're not being controlled. You're not being manipulated. That is not how the Spirit works. It's gentle, loving, caring, alluring, calling, knocking, gentle but powerful. But you need to allow, if you want to submit your will and say, Holy Spirit, I allow you again to help me to walk by the Spirit daily. Just maybe raise your hand and we can just ask the Lord for that. Come on, let's grab hold of that. Let's do business with the Lord. He's gentle. I might not be in this moment, but He is gentle. Holy Spirit, here is the people that say, I want to walk by the Spirit because ultimately I want to love well. I want to be loved well. I want to hear well and I want to hear other people well and so lord thank you we just declare holy spirit help us to walk by your grace to walk by your tugging and to bear your fruit not only carry your gifts but to bear your fruit because that's the evidence of walking by your spirit is your fruit and so here's a people that say we want to walk by the spirit not because we want to get things right because we want to be able to hear others in the body we want to build well. We want to glorify God. We've got one life. We've got one life. Change me and change my world, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. And lastly, I'm, I'm going to ask that you turn two, two, two together as you feel comfortable. Turn to each other and just quickly pray. And it need not be this individual, but pray for the principle that we'll be a church that hear one another, that see one another. Firstly, hear Him. Walk by the Spirit. That's a prerequisite. That's the condition. But then be a people that also hear, truly hear, and truly see one another. So let's quickly turn to you to one another as you're comfortable. If you're really not comfortable, you do not have to do that. But let's just quickly pray for one another that we'll be a people to hear one another.